Hey everyone, my name is Antonia Mandulia and you're listening to That Hockey Chick. Welcome back to another episode of That Hockey Chick. I wish I was talking to you under better circumstances. I've had the week to cool down. I hope you have all had the week to cool down at least a little bit after last Monday's results. Obviously, it's not what we intended or not what we expected at all to be the outcome of this series. Yeah, this is this is what happened. So now this is what we have to deal with. And now this is what we get to talk about for the next three, four months until the next season starts. So they've they've definitely given us a lot to talk about. Not necessarily a good thing. So before we get into that and before we break down everything that went wrong in the very very, very few things that went right. I'm going to give you a quick playoff update. So for starters, the series that no one wants to hear about anymore, but Habs versus Jets. Habs are currently leading 2-0. With Tampa and Carolina, Tampa's leading 3-1, could take it home. Bruins and Islanders are all tied up at 2, and Colorado and Vegas sees Colorado currently leading 2-1. Sorry for the quick playoff update, but I will give a more in-depth rundown of how the series are going or how the series finish because some of them look like they might be done this week or they will be done this week. So next week, I'll, I'll give it a better rundown of how all the series went. I just want to make sure, you know, we, we talk about what's important this episode and what's important is the Toronto Maple Leafs, whom we all love dearly. So that's it for this quick update. Coming up next, we are going to uh, discuss what happened with the Leafs uh, in this series in Game 7 all together. We're going to have a discussion. I'm going to tell you what I think is the real issue at hand here. And then during Take a Break from Tone, we are also going to be hearing from a couple other people and we are going to get their opinions on what they think went wrong. So please stay tuned. Now it's time to talk about the Leafs and what happened. I know it's a touchy subject, but there is a lot to talk about. They gave us a lot to consider. So basically how it's going to work is in this episode today, right now, I will kind of be going over exactly what happened, you know, what went, what went wrong, highlighting different things. And then I am going to give you guys my honest opinion on what I actually think is wrong and what I actually think this deeply rooted issue, bigger picture, is in terms of the the Leafs and their their performance over the last 17 years. So let's start with the series. First thing I want to point out is I surprised myself. I wasn't mad after they lost. After that final buzzer went, the next day, the next day, the next day, even today, like I, I was never mad. I was never upset. The perfect word to describe what I was feeling was that I was confused. I was and still am beyond confused. I just, I couldn't grasp and still can't grasp the idea that they lost and weren't able to at least just get to round two with what they had. All, everything that was brought in for them, all the playoff experience, all the leaders, all the depth. Uh, the defense that was improved, everything basically that Dubis was able to do that he gave this team, I was just so confused. You know, it's one of the 
best rosters that we've had in such a long time. And it's not just because people made it seem like it was, you know, it's not just the media that drummed it up to be like like that. It, it's true. On paper, with everyone that they brought in, it was one of the one of the best rosters in the league. Definitely one of the best rosters that the Leafs have had in a while. But it wasn't over-exaggerated or anything like that because factually, literally, it was a roster that should have made it to the second round. And that kind of took away from my anger because I, I couldn't be mad at something that I didn't understand. You know, I, I was more confused than anything and it's there's there's no right answer there's no specific thing that we can pinpoint I mean we can all try and place blame and pinpoint exactly what went wrong but the truth is it's not just one thing it's not it's not just Marner it's not just Matthews it's not just Keith it's not whoever else you want to place blame on that's not the case here we can because it's easy we can pinpoint these people because it's tangible, we can see it, and we can pick at it. But that's not, it's much more cumulative than just two or three guys on the ice. And that's what I'm going to get into now. First of all, I want to talk about um, the Habs and pretty much specifically what went on. Carey Price was awesome. I hate to say it, but he he did really well for the Habs. He stood on his head. I mean, it didn't help that... Majority of the time, the Leafs weren't really getting good shots on. That they were shooting, you know, on on the ice or at his at Price's chest or whatever. So that didn't help. But he he was still even in like the scrums and stuff. He was still all over the place. He did great for them. And Campbell did the same on the other end of the ice. Campbell was absolutely outstanding, and he definitely proved why he deserves to be a number one goalie. Both of the goalies' performance were amazing, and overarching picture for just this series, it was the lack of production from our top line and the mistakes that combined to lose us Game 7, Game 6, Game 5, because, you know, we made those couple mistakes, and that's fine. You know, mistakes happen, so we can pinpoint those, but with the Leafs and how the Leafs are built... They should have been able to, either by the time those mistakes were made, they should have built a huge lead already, or they should have been able to come back and and make up for that mistake, based on how they're built and the production and everything. I don't like blaming the depth, guys. I mean, a few more, like Makayev or Engvall, Simmons, Thornton, I would have liked them step, to step up a bit more. But they, they produced, they... They did their job. You look at Spezza, you look at Kerfoot, uh, you look at Galchenyuk, you look at... Um, there were a couple other guys that I was thinking of. I can't remember now. But they they stepped up. You know, and Nylander as well on the second line. They all did their job. Defense was scoring. They were contributing a lot, assisting scoring a lot more than usual. It was that first line. Normally, they combined for, what, maybe at least two two goals a game or a goal a game and some assists they weren't really doing that they had one game one or two games maybe where they were able to contribute but that was that was it and that was definitely a huge piece of what was missing everything else in my opinion was great defense was great in my opinion besides those couple mistakes that's really what it was and I, I don't like placing all the blame because it's a, it's a team effort and all of that and that's why I don't like pl- placing all the blame on just Matthews and Marner and Hyman for example 
because it's it's the team as a whole that should have been able to either score when the top line wasn't scoring, like score even more than they did, or, you know, try and pump up the first line with all the leaders that we had and try and get them going. So we made mistakes in this series. We made mistakes. We screwed up. Marner and Matthews shit the bed. The bottom six stepped up. But how much, realistically, with the bottom six, how much could we have expected them to step up without our top line giving remotely anything or contributing much of anything, right? They, they did step up. And I know that you look at other teams like Tampa, for example, uh, and Colorado and how they're built and how they get tons of production from their bottom six. And I totally understand that. But that's happening while their top line is also on fire and also producing. It affects the team. Our bottom six were were doing what, what they were expected, but for them to have been able to go above expect, uh, expectations and perform even more, your top guys have to be performing too because then they look at them and they say, you know, they're, they're pumping. Imagine Matthew. Matthew scored a goal every game. Imagine that. Matthew's a Marner scoring one to two goals every game. Bottom six would look at that and they'd get fired up. It would light a fire under their asses and then they would go and do the exact same thing. So they did what they were expected to do, the bottom six, for the most part. The reason, because then people were trashing on the bottom six, it's complicated. And I know that there's different ways that you can look at it and I understand that. But the way that I'm looking at it is teams like Tampa and Colorado, the only reason that their bottom guys are able to produce a lot is because they see it coming from the whole team. They see it coming from their top two lines. And that fires you up. If you're, if you know, with Matthews and Marner and Hyman doing absolutely nothing, the bottom six, wh- what do they get? They get all this pressure put on them to go and score. And they did go and score. And they did go, go and assist and, and produce. But it's not the same as seeing your top guys lighting it up. So there is reason to trash the bottom six, but they're also, I don't think it should be done because they're not supposed to be performing like a top line. That's what you have your top line for. I understand why people would want to, but at the same time, I don't think it's realistic or fair to do so because that's not their job. Their job isn't to put up two goals a game. That's not what what they are there to do. You look at someone like Simmons or Thornton. That's not their job. They can't do that. That's why they're on the third and fourth line or fourth line, whatever it is. Because their job is to, you know, be aggressive, throw some hits, keep the puck out. I mean, now looking at the bottom six, since we're on this topic, looking at the bottom six in terms of aggression, that was missing severely. Simmons and Thornton and Felino did virtually nothing close to what they were brought here to do literally nothing so i mean kind of the whole team collapsed on itself because these guys these guys were were, they were banking on each other to do what they were brought here to do dubas brought those three let's say felino thornton and simmons dubas brought them here to be tough because we needed grit and we needed toughness and they were also all leaders so perfect score you look at how Felino did in the playoffs. You look at how Thornton's career has been absolutely amazing. He's done great. Same with Simmons. He's been reliable for his team. So, you know, it was it was great. And then we brought him here. And bringing them here, yeah, created a lot of buzz. But rightfully so. Because they have been great in the playoffs before for their respective teams. So you bring them here expecting and assuming, rightfully so, 
that they would do the same here, but they didn't. So you have guys banking on each other. You have guys banking on Matthews to score. Didn't happen. You have guys banking on Simmons to throw some hits and, you know, spark spark the team and stuff like that. Didn't happen. You have Thornton, assuming that he's going to be a leader and get these guys going and pick them up when they're losing a game. Didn't happen. So I just feel like when you have guys banking on each other to do their job and the second that one guy doesn't perform, the whole team collapses on itself. So in a sense, the bottom six did their job and in a sense, they were also lacking in some areas, but same with the top line. Matthews was great defensively, offensively, nothing. So it was a lot of mismatch that was going on and nothing really made sense towards the end of the series. Our D stepped up. That was a positive. They were scoring and producing, like I said. Overall, did a relatively good job defending. It was those couple blue line mistakes that cost us. And in the playoffs, like I said, that's what teams like Montreal look for because they're not going to beat us by creating their own offense, per se. That's not their style of play. But they know they can beat us on our mistakes. And boy, did they capitalize on those. So... I don't think from those couple blue line mistakes that it's fair to say that our D sucked because I saw a lot of people saying that. We've had, even in, in games where we've absolutely demolished, there's even in the 4 the nothing game, I'm sure you can go back and rewatch that game and find some defensive mistakes that were made. 100%. I guarantee that there's some that are in there. But the point is that the team is able to counter it offensively. That's the whole point. Defense is going to make these mistakes and then you you counter offensively. And given our depth and given our star power on our top two lines, it was assumed that, yeah, if we make a mistake, they're going to be able to fight back and get a goal within five minutes. We could have put on so much more pressure than we actually did. And I feel like we played down to the Habs' level instead of using the pressure and everything that we had in games two to four all the pressure that we had, the hitting that we had, the being rough and, and tough and, and scoring, all of, and possession, uh, playing possession. We, we had that in games uh, two to four, or for the most part in games two to four, we had that. And then it's just like in game five, it, we started playing down to the Habs level for some reason. The Habs didn't come out strong or tough in any of those games. And we played down to their level. If we had played the way that we could play, it wouldn't have happened because we would have overpowered them like we did in the previous games. So in summary, like I said, what was the what was the issue, the tactical issues in the last few games? It was the inability for the guys to carry out their role on the team. That's what it was. It was the inability to fight back after our mistakes and create offense. No one could play their role. It was all mismatched. You had people like Matthews playing playing better defensively than offensively. Like, what? When? What? <laughs> that doesn't happen, right? It was, that's what it was. People weren't able, the guys weren't able to play to their strengths. And anyway, it just sucks because you look at someone like Kalander and Galchenyuk, they had a great, uh, great series. Muzzin was having a great series. Campbell was having a great series. They all deserved it. Tavares deserved it. And then you look at someone like Dubas too. He deserved it. Everything that he did, he deserved to see his team go to round two. So basically what I want to do is I want to break down what I think the issue here is. Bigger picture. You know, not just what I just said. Not just the fact that the players didn't show up and that they made a couple mistakes and there was a lack of scoring. Not just that. 
and bigger than that why they didn't show up why after all these years do the players that we bring in regardless of who they are regardless of how big their name is in the league why is it that they're never able to show up or they're never able to change the team or change how the team approaches something like the playoffs there's a more complicated answer to this question than everyone is everyone is assuming that everyone is laying on and I'm not trying to make excuses for the players and why we lost they played like shit with the exception of a few guys I totally agree with that they did not deserve to get the win with the way that they treated this game like a like a preseason game or a regular season game I'm not trying to make any excuses. What I'm trying to do is explain why a team like the Leafs can have so much at their disposal but still end up falling short. There is a reason that Marner, Thornton, Simmons, and Matthews all fell short of expectations and it's been happening for the past 17 years and I'm about to explain it to you here. I said that Dubas gave them everything that they needed, okay? And they might have, he might have handcuffed himself when he negotiated the Marner and Nylander signings but he made up for that and he did a lot with what he had you know even though he kind of screwed himself a few years ago look at how much he was able to do with the little that he had bringing in Felino, mind you he did nothing bringing in Thornton also did nothing when it came to the playoffs bringing in Simmons also did nothing when it came to the playoffs he did bring a lot he brought so much to this team he gave them everything that they needed and that's where my confusion lies, and that's where that's where I started thinking, you know, why? These players didn't show up that he brought in when they were supposed to? Why? Matthews and Marner didn't show up when they were supposed to? Why? Why, why is it that you can have such an amazing regular season, and the regular season they were off the charts, amazing, all-powerful, so awesome, so amazing, so skilled. Why is it that once the playoff comes the team falls apart and it's not just this year why has that been happening for the last 17 years why is it that no matter who you bring in nothing changes so players should be blamed they should the team should be blamed but there is something bigger it was it was frustrating it was frustrating so after the game rather than being mad and upset I found myself being utterly confused we had everything we needed so why with all this firepower and all this success in the regular season, with all the leaders and playoff experienced guys, why did this happen? This year of all years, when everyone, even non-Leafs fans, surprisingly, knew or expected it would be different than previous years, why did we get the same result that we've gotten over the last 17 years? And the answer is a lot more than just they suck or they didn't want it or they don't have the playoff experience, or they don't have heart. First off, they don't suck because we have the skill, we have the record-breaking players, they were all having great seasons. It's not that they suck because on paper, on the ice, we've seen the production, we've seen the ability, we've seen their capability. So not true. Second, you can't say they didn't want it. That's not fair. First of all, you don't know what's going on in the dressing room, in the locker room. This is their life. This is their job. This is their life. Day in and day out, this is what they're doing. Obviously, they wanted it. They've worked their whole lives to get to this point. You can't just say they didn't want to win or they didn't care to win. That argument collapses in itself. Just because they aren't performing on the ice doesn't mean that they don't want it. Those two things don't relate. If that was the case, if an NHL player 
just had to want it in order to perform on the ice, the league would be a lot more interesting. If every player just in their head just had to say, I want this win, and they went on the ice and performed absolutely amazing, it'd be interesting to watch every player play against each other like that. But that's not the case. A player could want it, but has things blocking their performance. You have stress, frustration, being overwhelmed. Whether you want to believe it or not, those things affect players, and that's a fact. It's not something that can just be played off. You and you and your everyday job that you have, you get stressed in your job. You get overwhelmed. And when that happens, it's possible that you start to perform, you start to underperform because of the stress. Even in school, you can think about that. It's happened to me before. Even in school, you get stressed, you get overwhelmed, you feel the pressure, you start to panic, you start to underperform because, because of everything. It affects players mentally. That is a fact. They are not robots. They have emotions and they have feelings. They feel these things. Third, they had playoff experience. And I hate people saying that they don't. The core guys, that ha- they have been, like Matthews, Marner, whatever, they have been in round one quite a few times the last few years, so they know exactly what to expect, at least just in round one. Especially look at the opponents they've had, Boston, Washington, Columbus, all those teams play exactly the same way. They all played the same way against us, tough. So they knew exactly what to expect. The guys that were brought in in the offseason and at the deadline have deep playoff experience, Thornton, Felino, and company, and they've played well against us in the playoffs in the past. So that's not it. They had the experience. And lastly, it's not because they don't have heart. This is probably the argument that pisses me off the most. I understand the concept of what people are trying to say when they say that they don't have heart. Like they don't have that extra drive or that extra like oomph or that extra motivation, that extra push. But I don't think those are the right words to describe it. They have the will to play. They're there because they want to win. They're there because... I mean, the chemistry on that team is undeniable. They're there to win for each other. They want it. It's the extra push that's missing. I don't think it's that they don't have heart. That I don't think that that's fair to say because, I don't know, I, I just look at them and I, and I see that they have it. It's just they don't have that extra drive or that extra desire to push themselves even more. It's, it's not that they don't have heart. I just don't like that like choice of words. It doesn't really make sense to me. So if all those things are false all those excuses are false, then why? Now, my answer might piss some people off, and that's because it's vague, and it has almost nothing to do with the actual players. But it carries weight, and it's true. Just have to think about it. After you listen to this episode, just think about what I'm saying. I know a lot of people like to pick a particular person to place blame. Marner, who, like I said before, did play garbage. Matthews, same thing. Keith, people have been liking to place blame on Keith because of the way that he didn't split up Matthews and Marner and they were calling him stubborn and relating him to Babcock and how Babcock was stubborn and all of that. Dubis, people like to place blame on Dubis, which I don't understand at all because I don't even want to get into this again, but he's probably more pissed than anyone on that team. How much effort and time he spent on building the roster that he built and then just see it crumble and fall apart in the first round. He's probably the most pissed person on the team right now. And I don't blame him, right? He's probably so frustrated and he's probably so confused. He definitely doesn't understand what happened. I can guarantee that. So he is definitely, I don't think he's the person to blame because like I said, on paper, he gave them everything that they, even not on paper. 
even just thinking logically, thinking about all the guys that he brought and all the guys that he acquired for almost nothing, everyone assumed that they were going to be amazing. And like I said, rightfully so, because of how they've played on their previous teams. You can't deny that. There was, there was nothing that was overhyped about bringing these guys in. Yeah, there was a lot of media and stuff like that, but people had the, like I had, we all had the right to be excited about the guys that he was bringing in because of who they are and what they can do and what they've done for their previous teams in the past. Of course, you're going to be excited. Of course, you're, you're going to anticipate the best. So don't blame Dubas. That's stupid. Anyway, so people are going to place blame and pick someone to place blame on regardless And it's warranted because they played like shit. But people will do that because it's easier to understand and because it's something tangible that they can pick on. But have you ever asked yourself why? And actually wondered why this has been happening for 17 years? Not just looking at this isolated one year or these isolated last few years with the core core group staying the same. Not just saying it's because our core group is shit. Just bigger picture. Why has this been happening for so long? It's not like we've been winning and then we got this over the past 17 years and then we got this new core core group four or five years ago and then we started playing like shit. That's not the case. It's been happening for 17 years. So why? My answer is that it's a losing culture. This has happened, and by this I mean not making it past the first round, for 17 years. Throughout that time, We have had countless players and superstars run in and out of the roster and the roster has been changing significantly over the last 17 years. Even over just the last few years uh, with the core of Matthews, Marner, Nylander, the roster has been changing. Players have been coming in and out even in just the last few years. So we have had all these players in and out of the organization. Coaching staff and management have been constantly changing too. None of them have worked either. There has been no constant that has been there all this time, no one person that has been there that we can blame it on. There is something that bogs the players down and completely demotivates them when it comes time to play in the playoffs. Something in the organization is missing that fails to give them the the extra spark come playoff time. Don't forget, we were once one of the toughest and best teams in the league. So we had that spark before. It's not like it's been missing forever. We used to have it. So what has changed since then? And what has changed since then? The franchise, the organization, the ownership, the business aspect snuck its way in more than it should have. It's money over performance and success on the ice now. And that's why we're here. It's about bringing in the the sales, bringing in the money, generating hype to get people. I mean, you know how much money they probably made off of this uh, playoff run? At running up to the playoffs and during the, the first round, you know how much money they probably made? They care more about that. And by they, I mean MLSE, not Dubis or, or things like that. MLSE and ownership. And maybe the, the higher ups, like maybe Shanahan and stuff. Anyway, that's kind of what I'm talking about when I say they. But it's money for them. That's the goal. That's the objective. That's their mission statement. That's, you know, that's what they discuss in their meetings, how, how to get the most money out of this team or out of this company, out of this business, whatever you want to call it, this corporation. They prioritize that overseeing success on the ice. And that's why we're here. That's why we've been in the same exact place for the last 17 years. 
the culture, the MLSE atmosphere, whatever you want to call it, is so toxic. That has been the only constant. Since 1998, MLSE has taken ownership of the Leafs, and that's the only constant here. That's the constant theme. Over the, since 2004 or whatever it is, that's been the only constant. In my opinion, it, like, I honestly, I'm not just saying this because I'm a Leafs fan, like, my honest opinion, if you take this roster and you place it anywhere else, guaranteed second round presence, at least. If this team was the, was the Vegas Golden Knights, you put Thornton, Matthews, Marner, all, our whole team, you, you put them, and if they were the Vegas Golden Knights or Carolina, Hur- Carolina Hurricanes, anyone else, second round presence, guaranteed. Because the skill the players have, the bond, the chemistry between the players, the actual toughness on the roster, which we did have, it just didn't show up, makes an NHL playoff team. We were an NHL playoff team. Maybe not, you know, Stanley Stanley Cup worthy, but we were an NHL playoff team. Definitely with the, with the ability to make it to at least the second round, I would bet on semifinals. And when I'm talking about culture and the organization, don't get confused. I'm not talking about the city or the fan base. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm literally talking about the atmosphere under the MLSE umbrella and their goals and objectives as an overarching organization. The organization cares about bringing in big name guys for the purpose of generating sales and hype around the Leafs name. And that was definitely accomplished, more than accomplished this past season. They don't care about putting time and effort into finding, you know, maybe lesser lesser uh, known guys because that that's not going to drive sales. Who cares? You bring in a bunch of Alex Galchenyuk's, everyone's going to say, MLSE's going to say, who the hell are you bringing in here? Why are they here? They're not going to make us money. They don't treat it like a team. They treat it like a business. That has become more clear to me and it should have become more clear to you after this whole series. But if you do want to talk about the city or fan base, let's do that. Is Toronto one of the toughest hockey markets? Yes. But it has been that way for who knows how long. So I've seen a lot of people saying guys like Marner can't handle the pressure. And maybe that's true. You know, it's easy for guys like him to get to get overwhelmed. I understand that. But don't you think that an organization such as this one that has been dealing with this pressure from the media and the city and the fan base for so long that they would have found a way around it? Like a way to protect the players or a way to kind of mask that pressure. There has to be some way for an organization to build itself in a way to do so and build a structure to better deal with it. But honestly, can you blame the fans? You can't. With a roster like this and with hyping them up, you know, hyping up this roster and and the team over the last year, you can't blame the fans. We were all expecting it. And like I said, even Leafs haters were expecting it. These fans have been here for who knows how long waiting for something. We've been fed so much energy and so much hype and hope from this business. And they have been forming the Leafs into one of the biggest franchises in the meantime. They've been profiting off of it. They know that regardless of whether the Leafs bring a cup, this city and its fan base will literally be forever loyal. They're going to keep making money no matter what. So why not, you know, kind of drain every last cent out of us that they can in the meantime? It's funny because I don't think MLSE realizes how much more money they could make if they actually focus and let Leafs management focus on the ice performance and bring a cup. The city would go insane. They'd be drowning in money. So I I don't understand why they feel the need to treat it like a business and not like a team. You know, it's a a team 
it's not a corporation the toronto maple leaves aren't supposed to be treated like a business corporation they're supposed to be treated like a team so i'm calling them out they are deliberately doing this deliberately pulling big names together hyping everyone up creating buzz to generate cash flow generate all the hype in the regular season they create regular they mlsc prioritizes you know maybe giving dubis uh, i don't know if they give dubis some sort of direction or some sort of goal or something they build regular season teams and then they fail to create a playoff atmosphere for their players they're doing it on purpose i know that it might sound confusing because i was saying before that dubis brought in everyone that they needed and he did that's true the issue is that mlse focuses on regular season performance when it comes to the playoffs they fail to create a playoff atmosphere for its players. The players cannot be, their job is to go on the ice and perform. The players cannot be responsible for creating their own playoff atmosphere. Of course, you're going to have a few guys that are louder in the room and that are able to to hype everyone up and spark everyone up. Yeah, you're going to have that. But it's the organization that has to be able to drum up that atmosphere for its players to play in and make it somewhere that players want to be make it somewhere that players want to play because they feel supported during the playoffs by their organization look at the boston bruins look at tampa bay look at montreal their organizations support their playoff their playoff push but but look at what the bruins are able to do and how they're able to do in the playoffs it's like a whole other team steps on the ice why i bet you own whatever ownership is behind the Bruins and whatever it's different than what the Leafs have because the Leafs don't care no, sorry not the Leafs don't care ownership MLSE the board whatever you want to call it do not care about making that extra effort to create this this atmosphere for its players no matter who you bring in no matter who you fire Nothing will change until the very top changes. In order for it to be different at the ice level, it has to be different at the top. Go ahead and bring in McDavid, Crosby, McKinnon. Will it feel different? Yeah, of course. They're going to they're gonna have some sort of impact on the room, 100%. Will it be different? No. It'll feel different. It won't be different. Those guys would flop too. Anyone you bring in here, best of the best, they're going to flop. Not because of a lack of trying or lack of skill or anything, but because of this crap culture, this toxic, disgusting culture that has been, that has become rooted in the organization for the last 17 years. Look at the Panthers. They used to have no fans going to games, poor performance on the ice. What did they do? They put talent on the ice and they stuck behind it and they created a playoff team. Look at, I said the Bruins, as much as I hate to say it. Perfect example that stands behind its performance on the ice and provides them with what they need to play in the playoffs in terms of mental support, the right culture, the right attitude going into the playoffs. Our roster's full, full of big name guys. Bruins roster has, I don't know, a a few guys, Marchand, Bergeron, Pasternak, a few other guys like that's it and the rest is full of full of of no names that have skill that perform on the ice when it comes to the playoffs so i guess what i'm trying to say is that overarching issue yes they played like crap this series but why because the players the coaches dubis are not supported by 
MLSE by ownership, by owners, by the organization. They're not. They're, when it comes to the playoffs, they're left. They're left alone. Fend for yourself. They have to create the culture themselves. And that's not what a team, that's not what an owner is supposed to do for, for its team. And looking at all the resources that MLSE has, all the money that they have, you would think that they would put that all to use and try to, I don't, I don't even know what they would, what they, what they would need. I don't even know where they would start, to be honest. They'd have to invest in something, get something going at the top. They have to be more dedicated because they're not. They're not dedicated to seeing the Leafs succeed on the ice or we would be seeing a different product every season. I'm not saying that they have to make it past round one every season, but at least once in the 17 years, yes. So this this organization is to blame for the last 17 years. For this series specifically, I mean, they're still to blame, but obviously, you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, they just need more support. I feel like they get no support from MLSE, from their organization. It's... When it comes playoff time, they're supposed to be a step up. Bruins are a perfect example. I know I keep referring to, to them and I hate re- keeping keep to keep referring to them, but it's true. In the regular season, they're whatever, a, a regular team, whatever. When it comes playoff time, totally different. And that's what we're missing. And no player, no single player, a reconstructure, uh, a reconstructuring or restructuring of the roster can change that. Because Dubas did it. He's done it several times. It's been done several times over the last, over a decade. It's been done. No restructuring of the roster. No single guy that you bring in. No GM that you bring in can change that. That's not possible. That's not what's going to change it. What's going to change it is change at the top. Change at the top of the organization has to happen in order for it to flow through. That's what the issue is. And you can agree with me or not, blame whoever you want, but the fact that it's been happening for 17 years tells me that it's more than just the players, the coaches, and the GM. So that's where I'm going to end because I've been talking for too long about this. Coming up next, we are going to be taking a break from Tones. You guys don't have to hear me talk anymore. And we are going to be visited by two very special guests and we are going to get their opinion on what they think. So stay tuned. All right, it is now time to take a break from Tone, and today, for this segment with me, I have two very special guests. They are the hosts of their own podcast called the Battle of Ontario Podcast, which you should all check out because it is hilarious and it is amazing, and these two definitely know what they are talking about. I have today here with me Alicia and Dave. Okay, Antonia, how are you? Um, I'm doing okay. How are you guys? I know Alicia's over the moon. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm okay I'm, I'm good I was, was kind of expecting that <laughs> That's... honestly I feel bad for you guys <laughs> like the true the no, true fans listen 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 I feel bad for you guys because you have to go through this shit again and you expected well, I expected better from the from the Leafs honestly guys I, I really did I think what I get what I get sick of is I get sick of I totally get the other side the non Leaf fans who just hate other Leaf fans I get it, but for yeah. me like I don't hate Habs fans I don't hate sent like they hate yeah like, they hate to a point where it's like it's scary like how like I hope their lives are okay because you have you're really like digging in deep to those Leaf fans that you know look at yeah. us we're yeah we're shit. We're, yeah. we're upset. 
I mean, I, I feel like we give credit where credit's due. I mean, Montreal, yeah, like they they were able to do what we weren't. So I mean, like, congrats. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. Like, you guys own it. Yeah, you but guys I, own that's it. That's what I mean, and it's and it's like why no, does it hurt your feelings? No, it's not. It's not that. It's, <laughs> no, it's, I don't care. I give a fuck because the Leafs, the Montreal deserved it. It's just, yeah. bro, like you you won. Focus on on your next round. You're still laughing at the Leafs. Like who cares? Yeah. Laugh and then move on. Me, I don't give a fuck. You want to laugh? Yeah, yeah. With the amount of talent, I was telling Antonia this yesterday, I think it was, the amount of talent you guys have, especially this year, was crazy, and I expected way, way more from you guys. Give me one word how you felt when they first lost Game 7, like the second after the game finished, and how you feel now. So as soon as Game 7 finished, honestly, done, done. And, and that's I felt like not wanting... I honestly felt like not wanting to cheer for the Leafs ever again. Uh, I honestly felt it's a weird feeling that it, I almost had little to no care for hockey anymore because of the pain that we've been going through all these years and, you know, the passion that we exhibit for this team. And it's like they don't even – it's like they don't even exhibit a fraction of the passion that we as fans have for it. Yeah. And I know that's not the, the case. I mean, I think a lot of Leaf fans have to take a step back and understand that, yeah, they're they're garbage. They they should have done a lot better than they did. Um, but their situation in terms of, um, you know, losing a few players and the type of team, honestly, that – and I didn't admit this myself early on, but the type of team that they created – Look at Vegas. Look at Colorado. Yeah. Look at look at Tampa. Look at all those teams. They wouldn't look at stand, Boston. They wouldn't stand a chance, and they yeah. they really wouldn't. I mean, I would I would hope I was wrong, and that's the optimism of us Leaf fans. I guess that's our our uh, uh, what makes us who we are as well <laughs> is that we're kind of blind to some of it. But the reality is, and I was speaking about this with my friends even after game like two or three. I don't remember. We were a little worried about you know what if we win this series? What's gonna happen after? Like, are we really mm-hmm. going to contend? Because we were watching the Colorado series, even um, even the Vegas series against Minnesota. And yeah. it's like, those pl- those teams are built for the playoffs. They have their talent, but yeah. they have guys that know how to get it done under pressure situation, grind it out hockey, which obviously during the regular season isn't a big deal anymore. Really, yeah. it's not. It's all about talent. But the good thing for us as these, these hockey fans from 90s and 2000s of yesteryear that grinded out grit hockey is still alive and well, and it's all in the playoffs. And the Leafs didn't have it, and, and they weren't built for that. Straight up, we're not built. For that. So how how do you how do you feel now? You feel more more calm. I'm definitely more calm, <laughs> um, and, and that's the other thing. I wasn't really after games after game six. I was a lot more upset than I was after game seven because of the Same. history that they've gone through, and I yeah. and, and I it was almost like you knew it was going to happen. And you knew that they were, and you felt it in as soon as the puck dropped in the Montreal game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, kudos no to integrity whatsoever. Well, from the, well kudos, no passion, no nothing. Yeah, it felt like the regular season game. That's yeah. That's what like. Uh, is this it, a, and it like, felt it, it felt like the, the Leafs again. They were on a losing streak during the regular season, and they they didn't really uh, step rise to the occasion. Credit to, and again, I want to just get that uh, this out of the way. Credit to the Montreal Canadiens. They they. 
battled they battled to win and deserve yeah. to win. Yeah. Um, Carey Price is obviously a generational goaltender right now, and that was the one thing that scared me, and, and it did bite us. But he's not – he didn't steal them the series. That's another thing. I mean, Price was amazing, but mm-hmm. in no way, shape, or form did he steal this series. I feel like the Leafs could have done a lot more offensively yeah. in yes. terms of chances. They missed the net a lot. They held on to the puck too long. They didn't get – they're looking for that one amazing score – chance rather than doing what you should do in the playoffs and just get the damn puck on net yeah. which is what they didn't do a lot of and that's one thing that I well, that I, well, I don't so, think so Montreal, Montreal played that great I no. don't think Montreal played that great in and the series and they didn't no and this they isn't didn't. me did they this have outstanding saying, goaltending yes yeah. yes that's what that's what, that's what saved them it's also Absolutely. it's but, also we made we made a lot of mistakes too so they were able if we didn't make as many mistakes as we did then I I feel like it obviously would have been different, but they, they know how to capitalize on, on things like that that helped them a lot, too. And you know what? Honestly, what you just said was, like, bang on because there was this one – there was, I think, in the whole series, Toronto was afraid to dump the puck in. Like, I felt like a Nylander or even a Marner, they were afraid to dump it in because they're going to get hit. Yeah. Dump and chase. Mm-hmm. Your other options wasn't working. And it dump brings and us... chase get that puck in. Look what happened to the yeah. first goal on, on Game 7. Eric Stahl just had to poke check, uh, poke check Marner, and there goes Gallagher flying down the wing. Was it a soft goal on Campbell? It was. It yeah, happened. but I'm not putting any that, blame on Campbell. Yeah, nothing. No, there's no blame on Campbell because he played a, he played really well at, too. But I'm just saying, because he couldn't get that puck in, look what it led to. Yeah. Yeah, and that's and that's the style of play that frustrates me as a Leaf fan is I, it's going back to that playoff hockey strategy and how you have to play in the playoffs. That hunky, that that fancy. There's dro- one thing that drove me crazy. Even when they were up three one, was they kept doing these, and they've been doing it all season in the past couple of years. I don't know what it is. These blind drop passes, either in their own zone, behind the net, and and guys like Tavares are guilty of it too. Tavares does it a lot, where he's coming out of the corner of his own zone, and he'll throw the puck in front of the net to the defenseman that's standing there. Yeah, you'll get away with that stuff in the regular season, but that doesn't fly in the playoffs. And not, that's not what I'm referring to. I'm referring more to they're breaking out, they have momentum, the, the team is coming with you out of the zone, and you do a drop pass to the guy behind you. You've killed momentum. You're doing the defensive team a favor. Yeah. And again, not describing much at all, but they didn't have to do a, a lot, really, yeah. to no. defend that because the Leafs were kind of digging themselves a hole. And Montreal was just like, okay, this is what you're doing? Fine. Yeah, dump it in on us. We're, we're bigger than you. We're going to stop yeah. you, and we're going to put it up the ice. Yeah. For sure. But there was one good thing I think Montreal did well in the whole series was the, the use of their sticks was great. Yeah. Like, turnovers. Yeah, yeah because... because in the, the defensive zone. Yeah. It was great. Mm-hmm. They, uh, kudos to them on that part, but did I think that they were playing that well? No. No, I didn't. I still don't think they're a playoff team. But, again, Carey Price... Yeah. Well, I think it's like what you said. How are you feeling? <laughs> how are you feeling about this? Yeah, how are you? Uh, okay, before I say how I'm feeling, I just wanted to say one thing. When you're talking about like how um, they do the drop passes and stuff, I just feel like players like Nylander and Marner, there's, those are just the first two that come to mind because they do it a lot. Um, yeah. I feel like at some points, I mean, I don't know because I don't know what's going on in their head, but at some points, it's like it's almost like they care more about being on like plays of the week and stuff like that rather than just you know like making like us uh, like when they're trying to exit the zone like they make like 500 different passes like here then here then here and it's like but you don't have to do like your simple play is more than enough to get a goal you don't have to do these 
fancy passes, and I think that's what that's what screwed Marner this series because he was just trying to do too much. Too much. And I bet, and I bet you a lot of I bet you a lot of coaching staff was like, "Keep doing you, keep doing what you do." Yeah. When in yeah. reality, during the regular season, again, that kind of stuff you can get away with because guys aren't going as hard a hundred percent of the time, mm-hmm. and so that play looks a lot easier to do during the regular season because. You have guys that are not finishing their checks. They're kind of circling when they realize yeah. the puck is gone. Now guys are finishing their checks because it's playoffs, and that's how you play playoff hockey is you finish yep. your checks, whether it's a body check or a stick check or, or a defensive play. So when you see guys like and, – and you know what? Matthews was guilty of it too. Yeah. He had mm-hmm. the puck. He did his fanciness and tried to do a you know a back pass or make a little too many stick handle moves. Mm-hmm. And, and Montreal were so in the zone defensively that all they had to do – was focus on the puck, focus on the guy's chest. That's what they teach you one-on-one when you're defending, whether you're a defenseman or a forward. Focus on the guy's chest and where it is. And what you can do is you can almost you can almost guess where the guy's going to go. Yeah. So all you do is swing your stick, look at, keep the guy in front of you, and the defense, it, it, it's easy to defend that. Yeah. Now, if the Leafs played a little bit harder, a little more aggressive, with a little more grit, and, and again, this is something we'll have to get into, but if the team was built a little bit differently then they could have they could have easily easily handed handled Montreal. Yeah. And the fact of the matter is, Liz, you're making a face. I don't know why you're No, because I don't agree with you what you just said. If what I don't agree with you. What if uh, it was what? Built differently. How is it you you brought in bets that you guys said you were missing okay, from game so, one. So no, no no no. So here's here's the thing. And here's what I'm gonna say. Elaborate on that then. I'm gonna elaborate totally. Yeah, no, that's fair. The bets you brought in, clearly not the bets that you were supposed to bring in. Okay. Oh, no. These guys, well, well, then I'll tell you, because we're so desperate for wins. We're so desperate for uh, uh, some kind of success in Leafland that as soon as you see guys who resemble that toughness, resemble that veteran presence, you get even more excited than you should. Yeah. Let's look at Simmons, okay? Simmons is a guy who, for the last three, four years before he came to the Leafs, was really on the decline. Okay, He hasn't really done much since his years in Philly. Okay? He came in looking for rejuvenation. You're taking a risk on him. Look at a guy like Jason Spezza. Spezza, he, he went to Dallas, did a, you know, he did well. They went to a cup final. And then he came came with the Leafs. Or, well, he was here before the cup final, but still. Um, uh, he came to the Leafs, and really, he's, he's rejuvenated his career. So there's there's a risk that actually worked out for the Leafs. Okay? Now, bringing the most hated uh, free agent signing to this day for the Leafs and Joel Thornton. He was absolutely useless all year, as well as the playoffs. That guy is slower than my grandmother on skates. Okay, he is terrible in this. In that he's he's got such. He's, I, I, Lish, I said it from day one. Remember when we were arguing? And I said line? the same thing. You said it too, but, but here's but here's what I'm talking about. I didn't want to admit it. I didn't want to admit <laughs> that. I, I felt like I felt like yeah yeah he's gonna be fine. He's gonna be fine. When deep down inside, I knew. He slows those guys down. He, he slows that he was, line down. He was okay at the, he, he slowed down Matthews and Martin. He was okay at the beginning. I think that we all kind of knew. Like, I knew that eventually, especially when they announced that he was going to be on the um, the top line, I knew I was like, okay, like, I wasn't a fan of it at first. And then they started doing really well. And I was like, okay, like, this can work. But then I, I kind of thought about it, and I was like, but he, it's not going to last because it's just not, like, it's not possible so then I think, I think by um, whenever he was taken off, I don't know if it was like the middle of the season, I don't remember. But when he was taken off, I feel like it was kind of like a guy who didn't really have, his only job on the team was off the ice. It wasn't really on the ice. 
So it's yeah, kind of like, yeah, it's kind of like you're, you it's have, you have this guy occupying your bench and he's not, like, there were, there were games where he was a bit, like, where he was tough and he was, in the regular season, not the playoffs, where he was, like, pushing guys around and stuff. It happened a few times, but yeah. overall, it was like you had a guy occupying the bench and that's all he, he was, was really he, doing. Honestly, he was useless. I'm very, very upset about the about his signing and I, I just honestly it, it, it makes me no you shouldn't say that it makes no no no. i'm going to say it i'm going to say it because i gave him i personally i was giving him a chance all year to to redeem himself yes he got hurt but yeah he's, he's joe thornton hell of, a, of hell of a career i mean he's he's yeah. he's a he's a potential hall of famer because of how long he's been in the league mm-hmm. yeah. i mean give or take the reality is he was only a good fit on the team for the the camaraderie aspect, the mental yeah. aspect, yeah. the leadership. Yeah. The leadership aspect wasn't even that great because all he really did was be friends with Mar- Marner and, and Matthews. What else did he really do? He didn't really contribute at all, and that's and I'm frustrated with that. I think um, not more than anything, but that's a big part of my frustration. Is is the Leafs continually sign these guys and take up space? where other guys could come in. Now, you ask me, what could have they done differently? I don't know. I really well, don't. He, in terms of the same thing about Felino. Okay, he was dealing with a little bit of an injury. But what did he do? Yeah, he Absolutely was... Absolutely nothing. I agree. Absolutely nothing. What did he and do? I, we were, I was excited for Felino. That's a first-rounder. And yeah. because, because of how well he performed uh, oh. in the last couple of years for Columbus, whether it was playoffs or regular season, he came in and... He was, invi- he was invisible. He didn't even he look. He didn't even look like much. Like skill wise, he was invisible. But he didn't even look like much of a, like much of a leader either. Like he looked like he was, yeah. I don't like a small presence. It didn't. He didn't give the same vibes as like, um, space. like Jason Spezza or Tavares. Yeah. Like he didn't give off those same vibes, which is what he was yeah. supposed to do. I'm assuming. He was brought there to do right. Yeah. Provide that leadership. Yeah, Provide that role and be that hungry, get in the boards type of player. Yeah. Guys, I'm telling you straight up right now, your best player in that series was Jason Spezza. Yeah, and down. Uh, and Nylander. Throw Nylander in there, too. I, I would say him, him, Nylander, yeah. and Campbell are my t- yeah. Are my, yeah. my three. Campbell, too, yes. And I, and I felt so bad for him, I'm going to be honest. When I was actually quite enjoying myself watching Matthews and Marner Gepps uh, doing their interviews <laughs> after Game <laughs> 7. But seeing... Seeing Jake Campbell get upset and saying this is my Jack, guy, you like, did it again. Oh my God, sorry, Jack Campbell, <laughs> getting upset like that, like on national television this, and saying and it was his fault. That happened. was sad. That broke this my heart for him. What, this is what you need. You yeah. Need, I feel like the Leafs need to up their uh, sports psychology section of the team, where you have to get guys that are willing to put themselves on the line in order to get their stuff done. Not feel sorry for themselves. Not feel like. Um, oh, everyone like not putting blame. You got two guys in those interviews that I that I listened to uh, that really blamed themselves and blamed the team rather than blaming other people. Uh, and and I mean truthfully did it. And that was Campbell and Tavares. And Tavares didn't even play. But the amount of talent you guys have on that team, there was just no excuse for them to come out as flat as they did. And the amount of depth, the amount of depth we had too. It that's that's what Dubis. Did at the deadline. That's what his and whole. And you can't blame management. At no, all no, you they can't. They gave them whatever they yeah. want. You needed a Felino in the lineup. Here you go. Yep. You needed Nash in the lineup. See, here, what I'll up. say to that. What I'll say to that too is, is management. Yeah, they did do what they had to do. They did give it to you, and you guys, players, had to be held accountable. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely. But 
at the same time, and I'm, and again, I I had a little bit of a problem with all of the guff that guys like Matthews and Marner received, only because, and I'll say this, they're responsible. You guys are the big money players. You got to help be held responsible for not performing. Absolutely, but I think with the exaggeration of Toronto media and the Toronto market, it gets a little bit too intense yeah. for laying blame on just those two because there's a lot of other blame to be passed around. But because they make the big bucks, they've cha- uh, well, shared that, the brunt of the blame. That's in every sport, Dave. No, no, every... and, I, and I understand that. But the point I'm basically trying to make is you have to, you still have to help hold management accountable because as management in the sport of hockey, is it the smartest hockey move to bring in a guy like Joe Thornton? Okay. Maybe, yeah, for the bench. But that's but what you were missing. You guys were saying that the whole time. You guys are so no, no, excited to jump on that Joe Thornton no, bandwagon. No, no. I did not. I, for one, did Come not on. jump on that George Thornton. No, 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 no. Do we have to go back to Battle of Ontario? No, no, no. We can, we can look at it and say, yeah, Joe Thornton's <laughs> here. Absolutely. But him being the sole reason why the Leafs are going to get over that hump? God, no. He's He can't perform on the ice. Maybe three, four, or five years ago, it might have been a different story. But... We all you know. still had all the key people well, in, Dave. Who did you want to acquire that could have made the biggest difference that you guys could have got back? Look at the Corey Perry. Look at Corey Perry. Look at Corey Perry. Same Corey Perry money. was a guy. I, see, Corey Perry was a guy that I secretly wanted before we got Thornton, only because there's a pest. There's a playoff guy. You're not getting him for much. Y'all didn't get him for his skill. They got him for his leadership. And his skill came out to shine. He scored a bunch of big goals or were part of a bunch he of big goals. He knows how to perform in the playoffs and those high-intense games. Those, those, those are the types. Those are the types of guys you want. in 2007 too against Ottawa. Those are the type of guys you want. Here's my question dirty for, pest. for you guys. I, yes. I, I, I want to ask a question. If you were the coach, Sheldon Keith, whatever, whatever his name is, and you see yeah, these right. lines aren't working at all, okay? Nothing's going with Matthews, Marner. Why not switch it up? Okay, this, this is what, um, okay. I'm take this one, because I kind of know where you're going with this. I, I love Keith. He, like, I've, I've loved him, like, since he started. I'm a big fan of his. I love, like, what he's, what he's done and everything. But I saw people ca- comparing him to Babcock after this series and saying oh, how, God, no. how he was, like, um, the idea saying that, uh, how Babcock was stubborn and he wouldn't do certain things. And then they were kind of saying the same thing about Keith and how mm. he was stubborn yeah. because of Matthews and Marner. I don't necessarily agree with that, but, like, that comparison. Um, I was surprised, though, because throughout this entire season, he has made changes yes. when changes have had to be made. I can't, I can't even think of any right now, but he's made so many changes when he's had to. Mid-game, you know, like, throughout the, throughout the, um, the season, like, whenever he's had to, he's done it. So I was surprised that he kept Matthews and Marner together. Now, would I have separated them? I don't know because I feel like there was there was there was a lot. I people are saying he wasn't getting enough space, Matthews. That space needs to be earned, buddy. It's not granted. You gotta earn for that space, that open ice. Yeah, I think they looked like they weren't working. Let's mix it up a little bit. I think he gave them, he gave them the, like, if he were to have given them the first, like, I don't know, three games, maybe, and saw that they weren't doing anything, then even just for one game, even for one period, just try it, just, like, see, see what would have happened just to try. I mean, 
you're not you're not really gonna lose anything because it's not like they were doing anything together. So splitting them apart wouldn't have really done anything. You could anyway. create even more offense. You don't know. Yeah. So I I was surprised that he didn't really make many adjustments there. I like I I trust him, so I feel like he had a reason for for doing it. But at the same it's, time, it's it odd. confused me. Yeah. It's odd. You make a good point because that's that's the main difference between Babcock and Keith was that he's willing to make changes on the fly. He's not stubborn like Babcock is, where um, the first couple of playoff series that he was with the Leafs, Matthews had limited ice time, which to me is baffling, but that was in the past. And then all of a sudden, you have Keith here, who all season was making the changes and adjusting on the fly, which is something you need to do as a coach, especially Mm -hmm. in this day and age. And them being the home team and having the advantage on the line change and can make the matchups that he has to make, you, you, I don't know. I agree. I don't know why he didn't make those changes and get those hotter guys in. Get Nylander, who's hotter, playing with Matthews. Give Marner That's a bit of a break. Saying. Marner kept being the ice time leader. Now, look at look at Mitch Marner. I'm looking at his ice time right now. And out of all the forwards, he had the most ice time, total ice time per game in the playoffs of 24 minutes and 43 seconds. Mar, uh, Matthews in second with 23 minutes, 53 seconds. And then uh, Zach Hyman in third with 22 minutes and 51 seconds. That's 24 minutes of a guy who is not performing up to his potential. I think uh, if if that was, like, I feel like you can look at it and some people might look at it and say that maybe he was trying to give him more ice time to try and, um, I don't know, like, light a fire under his ass or something. Like, yeah. saying, like, yeah. <laughs> like give him more time to try and but do it looks something. Like his confidence was just gone by then. Yeah, he I, He was feeling yeah. the pressure. But that's I think what I mean. And especially I mean after by, the first goal, too, right? Yeah, but, and well, even regardless, the whole series. That's what I mean by guys. Now, you, you talk about Montreal and what they were able to but do. But he still put up a few points, to, no? He, he still up, got, like, he, four assists, he, right? He put up four assists. And Matthews put up three goals and two. Sorry, one goal and four assists. So, like, you, you look at, again, not taking away anything from Montreal. You look at a guy like Deneau. Deneau was, was matched up against Matthews the entire series, mm-hmm. and he did a yeah. good job shutting him down. Mm-hmm. Deneau is not a offensively gifted player. So if you're telling him, listen, go out there, try to win a faceoff. If you don't, shadow Matthews. I'm not saying that's an easy task, but if your only task is a defensive task and you don't really have to worry about offense, it's something that is probably not easier to do, but a little more clear in terms of what he has to get done in terms of his, his role in the playoffs. Now, a guy like Matthews, has to do both. He has to be responsible for both the offensive and defensive end as well. Yeah. So I'm not making excuses for him, but he was he was he was smothered. He was smothered all series, and he didn't have a guy on his wing or on his line to sort of assist him in that. I don't think Hyman was 100. Uh, percent He yeah, didn't look like he so was 100. percent uh, He still played a great playoff for for the role that he was doing, mm-hmm. but I mean. Buddy, that would have came out if he wasn't 100. percent No, but it's but but they also don't give everything out. They not not necessarily not necessarily that he was uh like he was nursing an injury, but more so like he never fully um, recovered. Yeah, like he he wasn't. He didn't he didn't play a regular season game after he got hurt. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like don't maybe yeah, maybe he's not technically like he's not literally injured, but he might not have been ready maybe his dad in law wasn't there in yeah shape? that's right? what i'm saying he's not 100 percent. okay so say that don't i always think i'm making excuses <laughs> play it a little violin <laughs> whatever i'm not playing no violin <laughs> play 
Anyway, Antonio, I feel like we're taking taking over here. I want you. To I know. Sorry. No, no. I no. I love this. It's good. Okay. <laughs> I wanted uh, I wanted to say something that I was thinking and kind of get your your guys's opinion on it. What I was thinking is that I started contemplating like the the leaps as like a franchise and an organization. Okay, it's been 17 years since they've made it past the first round, and ever since Matthews and Marner like that era, it's been what about like five five seasons? Oh, five years. Yeah. yeah. So you have over over these 17 years or over these last five years, the roster has changed so many times. There's no, it's like there's no constant over the last few years and things have, have always been changing. So I was thinking that you bring someone like McDavid or like you said, Corey Perry or uh, Crosby or any other player you want to name, like you bring them in. I strongly, and this is so bad to say because, like, I love the Leafs, but uh, I, <laughs> I strongly believe if you were to bring all of those guys, one of those guys, whatever, a combination of them, that they would still flop and they yeah. would still do shit and they would still not play how they played on their previous teams mm-hmm. because the culture, and I'm not talking about the fan base, I'm talking about the actual organizational culture yeah exactly the money i feel like they are so i don't know if it's because it's like mlsc like they're under a um like that whatever and that makes them a lot more profit oriented or like business oriented so they're not really focused on like they're more focused on bringing in guys like matthews and marner that are going to drive up their um jersey sales and all that and and i think they're missing the culture yeah i just feel like built in that jersey but it's not there and it sucks it's not there they're a bunch of spoiled brats in my opinion and i don't know what kind of change i don't know if you guys know what kind of change would need to be made to change like the culture that's in there yeah here's the thing and i love that you bring this up because this is something i've been thinking about the toronto maple leafs and 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 it's funny because you 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 saw like you know ESPN's doing a lot of hockey coverage now because they got the rights. Yeah. And uh, over the past couple of months, you've did seen, you, wait, did you guys see that you, guy? You've seen, Steve, you've seen Stephen A. Smith come in and and, and you know like the Cowboys, yeah. <laughs> but he is bang on because yeah. this organization, okay, is all about the money. This is a business. That leaf right there, okay. That's a brand. That's not a team. That is a damn brand. And the problem with that is that they don't depend on success in order to make the money. Mm -hmm. All they care about is selling this thing right here. That's all they care about from the higher-ups. You look at an organization like the Tampa Bay Lightning, they have to succeed or else they're not going to do well. Mm -hmm. Now, a guy like Eisenman coming in there and creating a team with that much success, that team could be set for the next decade or so because they've had that success. So even when they have a losing season, it's going to be like, yeah, but we had that good season. We could come back. I would love we to won see three cups in 10 we years. We won the Stanley we'll Cup, yeah. whatever. We'll so the Leafs don't have that urgency because the money will always be there. I've been saying this ever since I stepped into the ACC for the first time and saw in the lower bowl. It's that old adage. I saw the lower bowl, all the business suits. And it happens at Raptors games too. Don't mm-hmm. get don't get me yeah. wrong. Oh, it's, it's, it is an exactly. MLSC thing. Like it is an MLSC thing. Yeah. The bottom line is that there, there is no culture in Toronto Maple in the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's a business. Culture. I think they. I think it's they. All about the bottom dollar. Yeah. That's all it's about. I feel like the they. They act like there's a culture because they they take advantage 
of what the Leafs were before, like Absolutely. when, like years and years ago, like they take Absolutely. advantage of that. So people, yes. people assume that, you know, the, the organization, the culture is like next level and it's top notch and it's the best you can no, get because they keep on going back and saying like, you know, look at how, look at how far we've come. You know, we started right at the beginning and now we're here. So they kind of like, almost like they use it as an excuse. Like you should follow us because yes. of all of this. But it's now, yeah. but now, um, do you think, like, I feel like it's, it's going to kick them in the ass because do you think that come next year, they're going to start to see a drop in their sales or like their tickets or their jersey um. sales? I thought, no. about this, I thought about this no. too. Um, my initial reaction was, yeah, because fans like us, the generation like us. Now, here's here's the feeling that I have, and that's because I'm part of that. I'm part of the generation that when we were little kids, we saw Doug Gilmore, we saw Felix Potvin, we saw Dave Anderchuk, uh, uh, we saw we saw all those guys, Wendell Clark. We saw all those guys in that 93 series. Well, we're a bit should. young for that, Dave. Well, that's Sorry. what I'm saying. I'm just making an example. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, made and I I'm just kidding. So, I don't care. Um, we were part of those 92, 93 teams that went to conference finals both years in a row, lost to Wayne Gretzky, call controversy whatever you want. They could have played Montreal in that final. I still, to this day, think that that series could have gone seven and the Leafs could have won it. I still oh, think so. LA, right? They lost against LA, yeah. Wayne, whatever. Say what you want to say. Um, and then, you guys, when you guys were, were young, you guys got to live through the Sundin years when I was a little bit older. And that was, again, that was, okay, Sundin, Roberts, Darcy Tucker coming out of nowhere being such a fan favorite. Uh, we got Cujo. Cujo's a hometown boy. He came in and did amazing. A young Brian McCabe coming in and being a bit of a force. Thomas Caverly, one of the best puck move defensemen that we've ever had. You, you get that sense of, yeah, yeah, we're going to get it. We're going to get it. And it's feeding off of that those few years of glory, I look back and I'm like, we've had so many crap years mm -hmm. that the hope that those early teams have shown us for those couple of years, the potential of how exciting it can be to watch a successful team is sort of our kryptonite too because we think that whatever the Leafs do, yeah, this is it. This is finally yeah. it. And non-Leaf fans laugh at us and I, I get it. That's something, that's something I w I've been thinking about for, yeah. for a while for a while about about the it, it's a corporation yeah it's a, it's a business first and it is a hockey team second yeah you got uh you got the Leafs as a big business you know they're one they're probably the biggest franchise in in uh, all of sport or all of hockey sorry okay um, yeah in, in, <laughs> no sports is way more than that even the soccer team and stuff. uh um you look at, at a team like the Dallas Cowboys where it's Stephen A. Smith making those comparisons mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely, because Dallas is America's team. Like, they're labeled America's team. Yeah. They don't need to win. There's people wearing Dallas Cowboys memorabilia everywhere just for the star, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. You look at a team like even the New York Yankees for all those years they yeah. weren't winning. They, they still haven't got it done, but they're the Yankees. They're yeah. a name. They're a brand name. Granted, they're a little bit better now, but you can argue that they're, they're kind of like the Leafs in that sense because mm -hmm. they have all these big names and they still haven't got it done. You get a team like the Tampa Bay Rays, for example, that are doing better than but that's another sport. But still, that's a, that's a yeah. comparison in that. Look at the New York Knicks. The New York Knicks haven't done anything. Yeah, but New York Knicks totally different. They were just garbage. Okay, like, no, but, everyone but, but hated Lynch. the Knicks. But we're everyone not going to get into... Don't get into basketball. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, just, I'm, I'm making up a comparison of, yeah. of what big business does 
to hockey teams, or sorry, to sports teams, right? And this is a prime example of the Leafs. Again, non-Leaf fans, relax. I'm not making excuses for the Leafs. They still suck for what they did, and they deserve the loss that they got because they didn't perform. But on the grand scheme of things, it's helping us see the bigger picture of maybe this franchise needs to really focus on the ice more in terms of its culture, like Mm -hmm. you said, Antonio. They've got to focus on the culture of the team and what it means to be successful. Why does Montreal have these years of success? Success Because they actually have, they actually have tradition to be proud of, okay? The Leafs, yeah, they have their 13 Stanley Cups, whatever it is. Montreal's 25, and that's because they're built on a culture of winning and a culture of tradition. You think they wanted to roll over and lose to the Leafs? This is their Stanley Cup, the fact that they beat us because they were the underdog. And you can ask any of our Montreal friends. I have cousins who are diehards. They told me to my face. I said, what do you think is going to happen in Winnipeg? They said, I don't give a shit what happens in Winnipeg. We beat the Leafs in the playoffs. That's all we care that's about. That's it. And exactly. that's, but that's, but that's, that's based, you know, that's based on a culture winning. Obviously, they want to win. I'm not saying they don't yeah. care about but they want to win. But the reality is they did what they have to do. They did what they set out to do. And they, they want to prove what, is it, what does it mean to be a, a certain sports fan? You want to be the best every single year or you want to be the best in the history of the league? And arguably the best team in the history of the league is still the Montreal Canadiens because of the success they have. Yeah, you can argue about the, the uh, you can argue about the, um, the what do you call it, the, the Stanley Cups that they have, but at the end of the day, the Leafs got to change that culture. You're absolutely right. Except the president, the CEO, maybe they yeah. need Shannon to step yeah. in now and say, you know what, this is unacceptable. We got to change this. We got to change that. We have to, we expect this from the players. Yeah. But are we going to see that? And start, basically, to me, it looks like they have to start fresh again. You know, you don't want yeah. to see it. And that's sad but because... But it's getting to a point where it's getting so repetitive. Yeah. And like they keep losing and can't get past the first round. It's sad that... that's a problem. It's sad that people are, are saying or think even thinking that they're going to have to start from scratch because, like, just even processing that, like, look at what we have and you're telling, like, you're telling yeah. us that we're going to have to start from scratch again. Like, I feel like we kind of just... It's not good enough. Like, we did kind of just took off, like, when we got Matthews and stuff. And these were supposed to be the years where it's, like, you know, we're supposed to be well, getting up there. Yeah, and I'm, I'm hoping that that, that let just what you say about, you know, starting fresh is not – I don't think that's an option for them. No, I – yeah. They, 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 no, they, it's, they it's not, but You're not I, I'm think, just making a point. Like, yeah. No, I, I get yeah. it. I totally get it. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, but like, I don't know. They, they don't – you don't start fresh with, you know, you have guys, you have generation, and that's and that's what I'm talking about about bringing guys in like Bellino and Thornton, and and, and I mean Simmons again. I feel like Simmons. So Dave, talk- you love the Felino acquisition. You cannot tell me you didn't like it. You were all for when it. it first, yeah, but when it first happened, because you expected him to come in yeah. and do something, yeah, and then he comes in and doesn't do anything. Yeah, of course I'm gonna hate it now. Yeah, but you can't argue the fact that. When he came in, it was like, okay, yeah, this guy's... Yeah. I still... I felt, I felt know, the same... Even acquiring him, I, I still didn't see as, wow, they're a cup contender. Like, this no, is, it wasn't going to save us. That's not what I was going to say, but it's just another... So then why bring him in? It's more. I think it's more. It's more of like a a cumulative thing. Like you're looking at Felino plus all the other guys. Like if it was just Felino on his own, then like eh. But they brought Felino plus all the other guys that they brought. I think that together it looked like it. And on paper, it was supposed to be a lot more than it was. Uh, 
and I don't think we overhyped it either. I don't think any fans or anyone overhyped what we had because on paper, we were at least, at least supposed to get past the first round. So I don't think anyone overhyped anything either because it's safe to say that it, it was almost assumed. I mean, maybe we shouldn't have assumed because of our history, but it was almost assumed that we were going to make it past the, past the first round. So... I'm gonna be honest with you guys. I, I I saw you guys beating Montreal, and I saw you guys getting past Winnipeg. I saw. Listen, I think we could have. Whether you guys like even hearing it or not, our division was the weakest division. Yeah. We're, it just it is what it is, and this was the best chance of the Maple yeah. Leafs. Now let's fast forward to next year and put them in with the Boston, the Tampa, the Florida. I'm gonna say this Ottawa. Um, you know <laughs> what I mean? There's gonna be competitive yeah. teams, and it's not gonna be as easy. Yeah. And this is another thing I just wanted to say before, you know, you ask another question, Antonia, is, yeah, Marner and Matthews, they did so well during the regular season. But what does that matter if they can't perform in the playoffs? Why you pay that big buck so Marner can't even score a goal in 18 playoff straight games? Like, well, look, look like, at this. And, and look at this. Uh, we're, we're paying you to perform in the playoffs. You know you're going to get past in the regular season. You know you okay, Matthews, Rocket, Rashard, what did you do in the playoffs? But, like, when people were calling for, or now people are calling for Marner to be traded, but... Listen, um they're both going to be on the team next year. Yeah. They're not going anywhere. So, I was going to ask, what do you think about the, about the, like, are people over-exaggerating? Obviously, we have a right to I be, so. we have a right to be upset because he's being paid, um, I don't even remember, a large amount of money. I don't remember the exact amount. I think he's getting, what, 10.5 Marner and 11 I, plus for Mar- Matthews, but... This kid is not going anywhere. He's he's talented. I, I hate saying it. He's a talented player. Mm-hmm. Matthew's a talented player. They're not going anywhere. They're staying. They're part of the organization. I agree. I agree. They're yeah. not going. I think it's a little bit. Uh, it's a little bit exaggerating. It's a little bit too. It's too much. I think. I think if you. I think if you ask these guys this much play and you're already going to give up on them. I think what needs to happen with this team is they need to take a serious look at the supporting cast of their team. And not saying that the guys there weren't gonna get better. This isn't me making excuses for Marner and Matthews because they should have performed. But the fact of the matter is you need guys that perform in the playoffs. Let your let your season you know, let your talent and skill guys light it up in the regular season. Even if you don't run away with the division, even if you barely make the playoffs, mm-hmm. at least when come playoff time, you have guys that are willing to put their bodies on the line. And and maybe bringing those guys in, you can lead by example and help and actually help Marner and Matthews stop thinking so much about, oh my God, the pressure's on us to score. We've got to do everything. We've got to do everything. We have to. And then they start doing too much because that's what happened with Marner, yeah. guaranteed. Yeah. He did way too much than he was that he should have. And that's the problem I had with Keith putting them both there so much was that you just kept adding to the, the, the pain stress, and, and, yeah. the, and the pressure of Marner to perform, and it just kept getting worse. You have to have those guys that support the the skill guys with a little bit more grit, passion, heart, whatever it is in the playoffs, in the playoffs, because your grit, passion guys that you supposedly brought in were non-existent. But to be to be fair, to be fair, guys like that, like Simmons and stuff, it was assumed. 
based on how they've played previously on like yes, other teams, it was assumed point, it, yeah. like to defend like Dubis and like stuff. It yeah. was a, it was assumed that they were supposed to do that and why they didn't. I mean, it could go back to what we were just talking about with the fact that whoever comes here ends up flopping, but uh, they they were they were supposed and that's the confusing. That's why I was com- more confused than I was mad because and they they had everything. Yeah, so it, and it brings, and it, it brings yeah. us to the, to the business end of it. Mm-hmm. The business is saying, yeah, let's keep the fans on our side. Keep saying, like, like the, let's, let's feed into the passion. Makes me question about how the tradition and feeding on the tradition and getting the youth. Because, again, they're a business. Yep. Their focus is to keep the money coming in and to keep the, the population. Like, like I said, guys my age, a lot of us are over it to the point where I said in game six, I said, if they lose this series, I'm not watching next year because I'm sick of being disappointed by this team, being happy all season, and then come when it matters most, and they don't do anything. And you guys, I'm not worrying, I'm not looking at stats, I'm not waiting in anticipation like I'm about to play in a hockey game on a Saturday night, and sitting in front of my TV on a Saturday night just to get excited to watch the Leafs win 5 nothing and, and be in first in the division only to have this happen year after year. You know what? Screw you guys. Screw your effing business. I don't give a shit anymore. Well, that's, that's I'm what fed I was... up with it. And, and, I, and I don't think, A, I don't think I'm alone. And B, I don't think I'm in the wrong to do that because you constantly big up the team. This is already, this is already, yeah, yeah, we're going to do well, yeah, yeah. And, and they have You're going to cause yourself an ulcer, Dave. Jesus. <laughs> but that's what I mean. I'm, I'm at an that's... age where, like, I, I have one from the Sens, man. I you're don't not care anymore. We're always worried about, oh, you're just a bandwagon jumper. I'm going to be a bandwagon fan soon. Because mm-hmm. at this point, if they keep losing, why do I got to show a care for But that, that's what I was saying before, like how I think that this was the last straw for some people. I think so too. Maybe yeah, not, maybe not permanently. I, yeah. Maybe not permanently. Maybe for a little while, a like, little a, bit, like a year yeah. or so. But that's why I was saying before, I, I literally think it was the last straw for people. And yeah. that that's why I was saying, like, I think that a lot of people are going to be shifting to another team or another sport, the Toronto Blue Jays, Toronto Raptors, like another Toronto sport, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's why I think they're, and that's why I said, I think it's going to kick them in the ass, the stuff that they've been doing for the last however many years, you know, yeah. building up this team and then... You know, building up the the image of the team, not the actual team. Um, no, no, yeah, I get it. Yeah. So, and that's not... why, that's why I said, like, I feel bad for the serious fans who who watch, like you guys, Antonia, Dave, my brother, for instance. They watch every game. They're into it. They, we're also they're not very knowledgeable. Also, yeah, knowledgeable. I, I even watch them too, and it's just like, again, they're doing this to the fan base. Again, they're not putting that extra effort, that extra stride, giving up a 3-1 series lead and we can't close out against Montreal. You're killing the fan base. Yeah. And you, bang on when you say that, Antonio. There's some people now that are going to take a step back and say, you know what, I can't do this anymore. A lot of people, not enough people are talking about where we're talking about it in terms of the culture of the, the business of the Leafs and how that has to step in and change it. I don't to, think it's a winning culture. They don't have a winning culture. They I don't think it. oh, it's a losing culture. That's I Absolutely. I was talking yeah. to someone the other Absolutely. day and I said they they built a losing culture because they Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to get into that again. It it that, that culture, Antonio, to your point, it has to change. Mm-hmm. They have to do something more than just 
bring in these guys and get us all excited for a bit, and then we get disappointed. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. at this point here on, if you get another team built for the playoffs, it's not only about the first round. It better be about. Like, it's this it's was, not going to be about the first round at all. No, it's no one's going to care about year, the first this round. This year was about let's get past if we're going to get past. No, make it about running for the cup. Yeah. Okay. Make that culture. What other teams go out? You think Montreal just wants to get past the Leafs? I won't be surprised if they beat Winnipeg. Because to my, I think people say my, that though, Dave. People what? say that because of the lack of success you have in the playoffs, not getting past the first round. So if they, if we get past the first round, we can actually make the Cup final. Like we could actually go there. But that's We've my point. Got to get over this hump. Which no, but you don't get over. Don't only focus on the hump. But they are focused right now on that. Then maybe that's maybe that's the problem. You you focus on the hump and that's it. That puts more pressure on getting past that. When the fact of the matter is, you should build your culture from the ground up and build them up to a point where it is a no-brainer that they are a Stanley Cup contender. I wasn't confident this year to say they were a Stanley Cup contender. Anytime someone brought that up, all I thought about was, God, more pressure for this team that it doesn't need. That's all I thought about. Antonio, I actually had a question for you. Yeah. Um, do you, do you see any players exiting this year, or I would, that's, not wanting to come back because of the lack of success yeah. that this team has had? That's what I was. Uh, I know Jason Spezza said he's willing to come back, yeah. but what do you think? That's what I was gonna ask you guys next too. So I think that uh, Spezza, I think he'll be back. I think that he's someone I can see him staying until he retires, and then them giving him some sort of. Uh, position or management I don't know somewhere like in the background I could see them keeping keeping someone like him on so I think he's gonna stay um Campbell I think will stay because he's like one of those players where he'd take a cut to stay here I believe um Hyman the same thing I think he's he's staying if they're able to which I think should be a priority Thornton might be on his way out I could see him leaving and going somewhere else Felino, I could see him going back Columbus. Yeah, so yeah, not, not, not to, to cut you off, I'm going to tell you mm-hmm. their their UFAs that they have right now. Yeah. Um, uh, Riley Nash is a UFA. He's probably not going to come. Yeah, he's um, gone. Zach Hyman's UFA, who I, I can almost guarantee they sign. Yeah. Um, Wayne Simmons will only sign if they can get him at a deal and yeah. it all makes sense. I think he would uh, stay. Nick Foligno, I don't see coming back. I wouldn't be surprised if they. Nah, no, I don't see Galchenyuk coming back. Really? Um, I feel like nah, he's going to be in Russia next year. I don't Watch. I don't know. I think, you know. Because I think of... he's a cheap, I think he's, I drew similarities to Hyman. Obviously not, like, where Hyman is now, but I he has the same kind of style of play. I feel like he would. he's a good cheap, like a cheaper option to keep for the yeah. bottom. Yeah, yeah, but here's, and here's my thing for Hyman. Why should he take a pay cut if none of them took a pay cut and he did just as well? He shouldn't, but and I feel gonna, like he shouldn't the, take yeah. it. I, I don't he think shouldn't. he. Sh- I don't think he should, but I think he's the type of guy that would. Like I don't think that money You're is right. uh, yeah. like he's the total opposite of Marner. I don't think money is on the top of Hyman's mind. Obviously, he's gonna want to be compensated a little bit more considering everything he did this this season. But I don't think he's going to be like greedy and and not uh, take a cut or anything. I think all they really need to do is lock up, lock down Hyman, and lock down Spezza. Freddie's gone. I really, I really, I really only. I think Freddie's gone. Yeah. Um, if you I think all they really need to do is lock down Hyman and lock down Spezza, 
and then all the other guys are gone and just build from there. Yep, add them in the mix. Yeah, I, I think they the were. Same. I think they were banking on the fact that the leadership was gonna make a big difference, and when it came down to it, it didn't. So, you like, know what you do now, you let, let your guys be, let your young guys be. The yeah, I think I think they. I think they tried yeah. it, and it, it was a fair, like, I thought it was going to work when they when they were uh, saying they were going to bring in all these leaders for the young yeah, guys. I, did too. I yeah. thought it was a good idea. I thought, yeah. you know, it was going to work. It didn't, so now you own up to it. It didn't work. Let them go, and then try something else. But you want to see something, something yeah. even small. Yeah. Tough, tough ending for the Toronto Maple Tough Leafs, ending, yes, 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 yes. We just sit here. They'll be golfing with my beloved senators. Literally doing this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We cannot also forget that the expansion draft is happening. Yeah. Well, Liz, so, that's something we're, we're going to tackle on yeah. our bonus. Uh, in our bonus battle, episode. Our battle of Ontario <laughs> bonus. We, yeah. In light of this, um, I think um, we're, we're going to have a bonus episode that's going to focus on a little bit of that. And I want to, uh, we want to tackle uh, who we think is going to go um, the Seattle. Yeah. Thank Woo-hoo! you. Thank you so much. Bye. Okay, Thank ciao, you. Guys. Bye. All right. So I hope you guys enjoyed that segment of Take a Break from Tone. That is actually all for me this week. I know I talked all your ears off this week and I apologize for that, but I just felt that what was said needed to be said, and um, I'd love to hear what you think, so if you have any any feedback or any thoughts on what I talked about today, let me know. You can reach out to me on my Instagram or Twitter, and uh, let me know if you agree or if you have any other thoughts. I'd love to hear them. So again, that's all for me this week. Next week, like I said, we're going to be talking about next steps for the Leafs and what they have to look for, what they have to consider, who they have to sign, all all that good stuff. And also keep an ear out because I'm going to be introducing a new segment for the off season uh, because I obviously can't do main takeaways anymore. So keep an ear out for that new segment. It'll be coming within the next couple weeks. So stay tuned. And until next week, I was going to say go Leafs go, but I can't say go Leafs go anymore. Well, I have to think of a a new thing to say now. I guess I'll just say I'll see you guys next week. Once again, my name is Antonia Mendelia, and I'm the hockey chick.